Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm Jared Bremmett, audio engineer and editor, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. This is a message that Rob delivered at World Outreach Church in Riversboro, Tennessee. As always, we'd like to invite you to visit robertjmorgan.com, where you'll find Rob's blog post, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. He had just finished his freshman year in Scotland in the university and the business school. And he was bright, and he was friendly. Everybody liked him. He walked around campus with a big smile on his face. He was tall and likable and smart. He always had a Rubik's Cube in his hands, twirling it around. And his family, very wealthy. They had half a billion dollars worth of business concerns, and they were counting on him. Suleiman, to take over it all as he graduated from school and got into the family business. So he graduated from that first year very well, joined his family in Canada for a vacation, and decided, he and his dad, because they had enough money to do anything, decided they would have a great adventure for Father's Day, and the two of them took off together and were never seen again because they went down in that submersive and joined the victims of the Titanic. Nineteen years old, friendly, a lot of money. But we learn at some point in life that money is not all that it's cracked up to be. It's not always our friend. Money is not always our friend, and a simple lifestyle is not a bad thing. Living simply can be a wonderful thing. Life has a way of imploding, just like that submarine when all we live for are the externals of life. And We don't have eternal riches. So what I want to suggest tonight in the message is that we minimize the importance of the wealth that we cannot keep and maximize our enjoyment of the wealth that we cannot lose. And the primary scripture, now I've got a lot of verses for you tonight, but the primary scripture is Philippians chapter 4. And it's on your handout, but you can also turn that in your Bible if you want to, beginning with verse 14. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. Paul said, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desired your gifts. What I desire 
is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, the word that I want you to circle in your minds is the word riches. This is the ending of the letter to the Philippians, and the Apostle Paul was writing from his prison cell or maybe his rented house where he was under house arrest in Rome, and the Philippians had sent him money. They were his supporting church. They were his primary supporters. So wherever he went in the Roman Empire, wherever whatever conditions he was under, they would be faithful to send him help and financial support. And in that way, he had the freedom to preach and he could buy his food and buy his clothing and take care of his needs. And so they had done this in this particular occasion. They had taken one of their church members, Epiphroditus, and said to him in the city of Philippi, will you take this offering to Paul? And so Epaphroditus brought it to Paul, and Paul wrote this book of Philippians, which is essentially a thank you letter, and he sent it back by Epaphroditus. And he said, I am so thankful that you have met my needs. You have always done that. You have sent me help again and again and again, and my God will reward you for that because you have been faithful and taking care of my needs, my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, this word riches intrigue me. I know that a lot of people today are having financial difficulties. I've just in the past week had several expenses that I didn't expect. And maybe you have too, and there may be people here or watching online and you're a little bit distracted because there is financial pressure in your life. And I'm not able to wave a wand here and immediately take that away. But I do want to take you on a tour of the word riches in the Bible to help sort of change your perspective about everything having to do with wealth. Because the greatest assets we have doesn't represent, isn't represented by the dollars in our pocketbook or in our bank account or the bills on our desk. We are children of the King. And all of the riches of the Lord is available to us, both now and in eternity, and He meets our needs as we are faithful, especially as we learn from this passage in Philippians and supporting His work. He will meet all of our needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. And sometimes it's just good to go into the Bible, which is a register of our riches, open the door of the vault, and go through the Bible and just see how rich we really are. And that's what I'd like to do tonight, how rich we really are. And I want to do it by tracing this word riches in the Bible. I went all the way through the Bible and I looked at everything the Bible has to say using the word rich and riches. And I've got 22 Bible verses for you. So we'll have to go through them quickly and there'll be a little bit, sometimes it will sound a little redundant, 
but can you ever get tired of anybody telling you how rich you are? So I want to begin here with Genesis 27, verse 28. This is when Isaac, the old man, was blessing his son Jacob. And he said, may God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grace and new wine. This is the first time the word rich or richness or riches occurs in the Bible. But may God give you the riches of earth and heaven's dew. In other words, he is saying, may all of nature be a blessing to you. This is what we call common grace. The Lord in his goodness has given blessings to everybody, whether they're Christians or not. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that God makes the sun to shine on the wicked and on the righteous. He makes the rain to fall on the wicked and on the righteous. There's some, he is good to all. And he has provided in this globe everything we need for our life. So he created us with certain needs and then he placed us in an environment that meets all of those needs. And we forget how wonderful it is, how rich we are to have air to breathe. We need to breathe and the Lord created air. We need to eat and the Lord created food. We need to drink and the Lord created water. When we look around at the world, we need the sunshine in order to live. Keeps us warm, keeps the planet at the right temperature. And, you know, every sunrise reminds us this is a new day that God has created. Every sunset is a dazzling picture of how wonderful God is. And the breezes that blow refresh us, and the trees that bear fruit sustain us. And we look at everything that God has given us, and he doesn't charge any money for it. What if you had to pay for the air that you breathe? What if you had to pay for all of the produce that God gives to you freely, but you can grow it in your garden? Now, other people may charge you for it, but the Lord doesn't. You may have to pay the government to get the water to your house, but God never sends you a water bill. You may have to pay the grocer for the cereal that you eat, but God never sends you a bill for the wheat. He has provided richly for us everything we need through the abundance of the creation that he has made. So we have the riches of the earth. And then in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, a lot of the verses we'll look at tonight come from Ephesians. So I want to give you a little outline for Ephesians. It's not original with me, but it's been used for many generations. When you read the six chapters of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about our wealth. Chapters 4, 5, and the first part of chapter 6 are about our walk, because it says walk in love and walk wisely, and don't walk the way the world does, but walk with the Lord and walk in the Spirit. I mean, that word occurs over and over again in the more literal translations. And then the last part is a matter of our warfare because it says we've got to stand up against the devil. So Ephesians is a matter of our wealth, our walk, and our warfare. 
just read through and check it out. So the first three chapters provide an inventory of all that we have in Jesus Christ. And the words wealth and riches occur over and over again. So here in 1-7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The Lord never charges you for forgiveness. Now think about that. What if you said, Lord, I've sinned against you. I've said a word I shouldn't say. I've had an attitude I shouldn't have had. I've dabbled in this and I shouldn't have done it. And the Lord said, well, I'll forgive you, but it's going to cost you. He never says that because Christ has already paid the price for it all. And so we have forgiveness in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And then here's another verse, Ephesians 2, verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he may show you the incomparable richness of his grace expressed to his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Right now we have the riches of his forgiveness. But you and I have no idea how utterly wealthy we are going to be in the coming ages. Because we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And he shares with us the abundance of everything he has. And Jesus talked about mansions in heaven. And the Bible talks about streets of gold. And I think all of these things are literal. And in the coming ages, the Lord is going to show you the incomparable richness of his grace expressed by his kindness. He is kind to us. And so he wants to give and give and give again. And it's in Christ Jesus. You know, the old acronym for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you heard that before? G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. And how do we get it? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says, you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, how though he was rich, yet he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. Now, how can any of us I mean, you should feel sorry for me having to be here trying to explain that verse which nobody can explain. Christ was wealthy beyond any ability of ours to conceive it. He owns all of the galaxies in the universe and all of the universes in the reality. He owns the seen and the unseen world and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and yet he left it all to be a peasant. And he said, once foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I was in Israel earlier this summer, and so was your pastor, and we both were amazed at the heat. We just melted in that heat. But at night, we had air-conditioned rooms. But Jesus was there in the heat. He was there in the cold. He had nowhere to lay his head. He never owned a home. He barely had clothes. And finally, that was taken from him. And he became as poor as anybody can be in order that you can become as rich as he ever was. That's incredible to think about. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might be rich. No one is richer 
than you. No one on this earth. Because we are rich in Christ. And now look at this verse in Luke chapter 12, verse 21. This is the story that Jesus told about Lazarus and the rich man. He said there was a beggar. He was at the gates every day, the doors of a wealthy man eating the crust that was thrown out. And the wealthy man was gaining more and more. But then the rich man died and went to hell. And Lazarus died and was carried by the angels into heaven. And Jesus said about the rich man in hell, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, he didn't say there's wrong with storing anything up for yourself. I think all of us need, as God leads us, to make proper provision for the future. John Wesley, I was just in his home in London. If you ever go to London, then visit Wesley's house. John Wesley was a great Christian leader in 1700s, and his home is very interesting. And Right beside his bedroom, he has a closet, and that was his prayer closet. But he is famous for having saying, when it comes to money, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I mean, that was Wesley's three rules. Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. But without money, it's hard to live, but money without God is impossible. We need to be rich towards God. You can be a billionaire and be rich towards God. You can be a peasant, not have anything, be in debt, and be rich towards God. But we need to be rich towards God. And in 1 Timothy, there is a very similar verse. Paul said to Timothy, command the people there to do good and to be rich in good deeds. Now, there's a way in which you can be rich. You say, I'm a rich person because I am rich in good deeds. I'm, I just delight in doing things for other people. I want to help other people. I want to encourage other people. I want to go through life, and I want to be an encourager for other people, and the Lord will enable you to be rich in good deeds. And then listen to James chapter 4, verse 5. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor and the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. Rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised for those who love him. Someone is rich in faith when they are able to take the burdens of life and come to Christ and trust him with them. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word just to lean and to rest upon his promise and to know, thus saith the Lord, that little song. But people who sing it from experience, they are rich in faith. If you have a problem in your life that's hurting you right now, then find a promise in the Bible and say, Lord, I'm going to exchange my problem for your promise, and I'm going to trust you. Help me to be rich and faith. You see, you can be a rich person, rich in good deeds, rich towards God, rich in faith. And then look at Ruth chapter 2 and verse 12. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded 
by the God, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Thank you for digging into the riches of the Bible with me. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company, Clearly Media. Audio editing and engineering is done by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler takes each of these episodes, condenses them, adds an opening outline, and posts them as blogs on my website at robertjmorgan.com, where you can find many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis. Thank you for tuning in, and may God be with you until we meet again.